Hey friends, welcome to the Living Room Sessions. I'm Rob, I'm one of the pastors at Campus House, and we are so very glad that you're with us today. We're going to get into a new series out of 2 Peter in just a second, but first I want to call us to worship. I want to call us to, to praise and adoration and confession and petition, really focusing our, our gaze and our eyes and our affections on the Lord. Psalm 100 says, On your feet now, applaud God, bring a gift of laughter, sing yourselves into his presence. Know this, that God is God. He made us. We didn't make him. We are his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him, worship him, for God is sheer beauty all generous in love, loyal always and ever. And Psalm 51 says, generous in love, God give grace, huge in mercy, scrub away my guilt. I've been out of step with you. What you're after is truth from the inside out. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Breathe holiness in me. Unbutton my lips, dear God. I'll let loose with your praise. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives, ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. And would you pray with me? Lord, we come with gratitude for your abundant love and limitless grace. Thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into your glorious light, that you have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the eternal kingdom of your Son. Thank you that you make good on your promises and that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us. As we reflect on your abundant, open-handed gift of grace, we pray to come with our own open hands to receive and give. As we read your word, we pray that you would read us and align us with your truth, that we may walk in your love. So today we're starting a new living room session series and we're calling it the Summer Renovation Project. And I think just about every summer when we can come up for some air and breathe a bit, when the, the schedule slows down, we've had some sort of project at Campus House and sometimes it's just been something small like, like painting or landscaping. And sometimes it's been a big project like renovating the big room. This summer, things got out of hand. The campus house site right now is a blank canvas, but we also have blueprints and plans and guidelines for the new building. We have a picture of what the completed house will look like, even though that is about 15 months down the road. These few verses in Peter's letter gives us both a big picture and some blueprints for what Dallas Willard called the renovation of the heart. He said the greatest need you and I have the greatest need of collective humanity is the renovation of our heart, that spiritual place within us from which 
outlook, choices, and actions have been formed by a world away from God, and now it must be transformed. It's a revolution of character which proceeds by changing people from the inside through ongoing personal relationship to, to God in Christ and to one another. We're going to spend the next 10 weeks in just eight verses as we learn what it means to participate in what God is building in and through our lives and how that plays out in community and mission. To be clear, this is not a 10-step program to a better you, you know, as you strive to be more Christ-like. This is living ever more fully into the reality of Christ formed in us as we die to ourselves, as we live in the freedom of his power and presence in our lives. Peter wrote this letter a year or two before he was martyred for his faith in Rome. And the big idea of the letter is that Jesus is returning. And when he does, everything in the world will be put right. And Peter wants his readers to be in on that, to be a part of the eternal kingdom of Jesus. In the meantime, we are to live here and now in a way that reflects Christ's kingdom. We don't earn it. Let's be clear. It's a free invitation. And his grace changes us from the inside out. That's the revolution of the character that transforms how we think and work and love and live. So here's the passage for today. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So Peter starts with the essence of the gospel. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Knowledge is the main theme of this letter and really all of scripture, but it isn't just information about God or about scripture or about how the world works. The knowledge that Peter is talking about is experiential knowledge. It is intimate. It is relational. It is all-encompassing. So Peter describes the knowledge of God in, in the next couple of verses. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's divine power, the power that spoke the universe into existence, the power that fed tens of thousands with a boy's lunch, the power that calmed storms and that raised Jesus from the dead, that power in us has given already everything we need for a godly life, a life devoted to him through an ever-expanding, experiential, relational knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The word called is kaleo in the Greek, and it has a couple of different meanings. One is an invitation. And so God in Christ, we are called, we are invited into a relationship by the glory and goodness, the 
the splendor and the moral excellence of Jesus. We are blown away. We are awestruck. We can't help but receive and follow and worship. The other meaning of the word kaleo is to give a name to. He has renamed us. He has given us a new start. He's given us a, a blank canvas by his own glory and goodness. And so Peter is talking about a saving relationship with Jesus that is actually instigated by Jesus. We are called. It's his idea. It's his invitation. So the divine power of Jesus has provided us everything we need to live a godly life here. And it's provided to us through a saving relationship with Christ, who himself has called us by his glory and goodness. You with me? All right. So it goes on. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Through God's glory and goodness on display in Christ, he has given us promises that will come to their fullness when Jesus returns to restore all things. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, But according to his promise, there's the word, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So in the meantime, though, we get to participate in his divine nature now. And it's not that we are getting some sort of participation trophy because God feels sorry for us and he wants to include everybody. We get to actually participate in the life and the character of the kingdom of Jesus. Participation looks like two things. It looks like abiding and escaping. Abiding, to, to dwell with, to reflect the glory and the goodness of Christ. And then escaping, escaping the, the evil and the lust in its various forms. The corruption of sin, Peter says. It literally means running away from, like Joseph from Potiphar's wife back in Genesis. Lust extends beyond sexual impurity. N.T. Wright says, lust is a consuming desire for anything which God does not desire for us. Lust is a drug demanding more, but giving less. It does to moral fiber what cancer does to physical cells. So God brings people to a knowledge of himself, and then he equips them. He resources them with everything that they need to live and to embody and demonstrate that knowledge. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Jesus in John 14 describes the Holy Spirit as a helper, a counselor, an advocate. And he says the world doesn't know him because the world doesn't see him. And, and, but you know him because he lives with you and is in you. So participation in the divine nature of God comes via the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is God's own presence and power already at work in you. That's the promise. So let me ask you, what difference does that make as you pursue life and godliness? If this is from and through the Holy Spirit, then there's no room for spiritual pride. But there is also no excuse for spiritual apathy. 
Verse 5 in the message version says, Don't waste a minute building on what you've been given. Or in the NIV, it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And then all of these words, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and godliness, and mutual affection, and love. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge, your experiential, relational, all-in knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So it is a process. It is a journey. It defines, Peterson says, how we live. He says, if Christ is king, everything quite literally has to be reimagined, reconfigured, reoriented to a way of life that consists in an obedient following of Jesus, a total renovation of the imagination. So this is our summer renovation project. I want to end with this verse from 2 Corinthians 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God bless you. We miss you. Have an awesome, awesome week.